BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Just the Sip. I have to admit, my next guest I was super jealous of when I was a kid because I thought she was beautiful, and I thought her mother was so regal. And I always wanted to be the third Bush sister. Please welcome Jenna Bush Hager. Now that we're friends and we have joined a committee together, if you guys didn't know, we are on the Hoda Bachelorette Party Stag Last Hurrah Committee. We had the best conversation, I have to tell you. So we we had some technical difficulties. You were so cool. You were cool as a cucumber. You were so kind, and we were like, wait, he is cool, he's hilarious, and you suggested that we go, where did you want to go? You want to go to, like, Italy or something. When uh, we Mykonos. Oh, we're going to Greece. Mykonos, Greece, that's what you said. Yes, um, we are doing it. Wouldn't that be fun? So we, you need to, I need to make sure you have my cell number so and we can send out a paperless post or something. No, no, we are totally going to do it. But how amazing that Hoda has, like, found this like love and this second wind and had babies and it's almost like Hoda is now living her best life. Yes, I mean, she really is. And I think it's such an inspiration. I mean, I have three babies, but um, my sister doesn't have any kids. We're both 38, I was about 36. We're young, (laughs) she has time. Yeah, we're young, she has time, but I will say, you know, for people that are starting their personal life later, she's just such an inspiration um, because yeah. she had all these joyful moments. But I think she really is, if you ask her, and she said this, so I feel like I can tell you, you're planning her budget, yeah, yeah. right? We're family. <laughs> that she is the happiest she's ever been and she feels really fulfilled. And I think for anybody that's like, oh my gosh, when is it my time? Which I think people- I'm me. You are single? I'm 33. I am chronically single. And I often used to think for the longest time, when is it going to be my time? Everyone around me is dating and married. And, you know, in the South, people get married at 25 and they have their first kid at 26. And, like, it's like the whole thing. So as an old maid, as they would call me in the South, I often wonder, like, am I going to find my guy? Yeah, the answer is yes. And I think that's like what Hoda proves. And I think, you know, everybody finds their person when they're supposed to, you know? And you like probably didn't, don't want to end up with some of the people you were with a couple Hell of no. Years, right? Like, no, I have enough garbage cans in this house. There's like a garbage can quota. I have met it. No more garbage cans. 
So it's like everybody finds their person when they're supposed to. And I think watching Hoda fall in love and then create this beautiful family has been really awesome. I mean, I, I, it's been a beautiful gift. Where did you find your person? Because it's it's in the book. Yeah. And it's very interesting how you guys actually met. Yes, we met at a bar. I'm just kidding. I mean, we, did. <laughs> we sort of did. We sort of did. Um, he worked for my dad, which is we were embarrassed to say. I'm still kind of blush when I say it. So weird. Yeah, but it's so awesome. Well, and I think because neither one of us are tip really that political that you know we I think we never really wanted our romance or our love to be defined by politics something sort of as cold and not sexy yeah. you know at all nothing against like the young republicans but you know there's <laughs> it's not that sexy and so I unless you're on house of cards unless you're on house of cards yeah. and it's sexy as robin wright yes <laughs> so i think you know it embarrassed us a little bit which is silly um because I, otherwise, I, somebody said, what's your favorite um, souvenir from the White House? And I said, my husband. Why do I feel like when I'm talking with you, we're just like FaceTiming? Because I'm know? Betty Bush. I'm just <laughs> Betty Bush. <laughs> and I got in there and I and I took him for me. I'm glad I did because he's a great dad. And I haven't been single in a lot of years. So You better uh, thank the Lord. I know. I feel very, I found a good one and he's kind and funny and he can homeschool a child or two, which comes in handy these days, you know? Oh, you better chain him to that Fifth Avenue apartment, <laughs> honey, because to find a man who can cook, clean, and homeschool a child. I just love that you think I'm, I, I don't live on Fifth Avenue, but maybe that I should put that on my vision board. Do you know that my 2020 vision board started with Oprah? And I started my New Year's, I was like January 3rd or something with Oprah. Crazy. I that started my New Year's, actually it might've been the first of the year. Like the very beginning of my year was with Oprah. And I remember saying to our producer, I was like, this is gonna be the best year ever. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I cannot believe I laugh at that because it sounds like a joke because everyone said the same thing. 2020 is gonna be my year. I'm yeah. taking it, I'm eating it up. And then yeah. March hit. And then April came, and then May was like, yeah, you're not doing <laughs> And then it just continued to go. Do you know that the last day I was 29, I interviewed Oprah on a red carpet, so I turned 30 with Oprah singing happy birthday to me on air. So did you think this decade is going to be the best of my life? She touched my chest, so it's close to my heart, so I thought... Great. God has seen me. Let's I've been touched by Oprah. Yes. I'm going to win a Saturn in the audience next week. Like, this is it. This was my year. But unfortunately, not. And I, I don't think anyone is doing it. And I think it's important. And why I think it was really important for me to have you on the show right now was because Everything Beautiful in Its Time, Seasons of Love and Loss, is a book that talks about not only your triumph, but also your personal struggles. And I, a lot of times I always tell people, what you see on IG is not always the full story. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that. But I also think as public figures, and maybe you agree with me, mm -hmm. is that we have to show the good, the bad, and sometimes ugly. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's so funny because nobody's going to put... Like when you're having one of those days where everything is falling apart, like when we did our interview 
rescue and we could not, the technology would not work. You don't see that, you know? And I do think you can easily look at the our society and look at, scroll Instagram and think like, how are these people living these lives that seem perfect? And I yeah. feel really lucky because my parents never made us feel like we needed to be perfect. You know, which is weird. Yeah. It's which is because it's not very common in politics, especially yeah. when you're a child of a politician. You normally have to put on this perfect facade. Yeah. I mean, they did not want that for us. You know, they wanted us to make mistakes and we did. I mean, we failed publicly. But I think allowing your kids to fail, allowing yourself to fail, um, yeah. to be heartbroken. To, yeah. you know, to feel sad, to feel all of it, to feel all of it, the anxiety. And like, people are feeling that now, you know, we're, it's a hard time for our country. And 100%. And you also have to, you have to forgive yourself yeah. for the fails and you have to laugh at them and you have to grow from them. That's yeah. the most important part. Yeah. But I mean, imagine if you were held to a level of perfection where you weren't allowed to fail. I think Barbara and I would have imploded. I mean, I'm not sure what would have happened because we aren't, you know, I don't think any of us are perfect. I think you no. are supposed to fall and you're supposed to learn how to pick yourself back up. Can you imagine if Instagram was around when you and Barbara Thanks. were first daughters at UT? And what about you? You were first, you were first daughter too. And <laughs> what would have happened if, where did you go to college? Can you imagine if Instagram <laughs> around oh i was at asu living my best life partying my ass off betty the black sheep of the family was oh i would have but that's the thing no i, I don't think i would have made it out of i don't know how anybody would make it out alive like i look at sasha and malia and they've grown up so beautifully and they've mm -hmm. they've grown into it but can you imagine the pressure no i am so proud of those those girls i mean i i barbara and i always saw ourselves in them because when they were, when they went into the White House, they were the same age that we were when our grandpa was inaugurated. So seven. So we showed them around the, the White House and we saw their eyes light up because none of us had ever been to a house like that before, you yeah. know, and you just couldn't believe, you know, the history that you got to experience. And then when, when they were leaving, they were our age that when my dad became president, they were in their teens, they were 18, 19 years wow. old. And we knew what that was like too. You know, we knew that you want to be your yourself. You want to be able to have the room to make mistakes without being criticized for silly things. And, um, and they are exceptional girls. I mean, now they're women. But they right. and they've done, I can't, Barbara and I would never have done it so gracefully. I mean, we really wouldn't have because, you know, we were, we wanted to be normal college kids. We experienced college in a really, you know, normal way and um, which allows you to make mistakes. And, and so anyway, no, I mean, thank goodness there was no social media. Right, right. For all of us. It's so crazy. It's funny that like Sasha had Malia and you had Barbara because yeah. I feel like going through that experience, God bless Chelsea Clinton. Yeah, I know. God, God bless Chelsea Clinton because <laughs> she went through that alone at the worst age when you're finding yourself and you're growing into yourself. And it's like, she didn't have anybody. I know. Even though we, you know, feel normal and like people will mm -hmm. see Renee on the street and be like, 
why are y'all so normal? Which I guess is a compliment. We find that to be yes. Even though we wanted somebody to be like, how come you're so exceptional? Nobody ever stops to say that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that's a credit to my parents. Like we really did have a super normal childhood. And I write about this. I write about my grandmother, Jenna. I mean, yes, we had these grandparents that became pre president and first lady, but we, my other grandparents lived in Midland, Texas. Harold Welch was a home builder. Jenna, uh, my grandma, Jenna never graduated from college, oh. but they taught us about every star in the sky. Like they were these wonderful people. And I don't know if you've ever been to West Texas, but there's this. Oh, I've been. Yeah, you've been. So we're from Midland, which you you know may have flown into to get to Marfa. There was a simplicity about our childhood that was so normal, but also yeah. really beautiful. And so what happened is, you know, then our dad became president, and we didn't really know how what to do. There was no guidebook. You don't know how to be. Um, so we were just ourselves. And I think, you know, I'm just so grateful to my parents for allowing us, like giving us the grace to be who we are. Yeah. Failure and all, you know, fit freshman 15 and all that came with it, you know, because- The freshman 15 <laughs> was the realest thing. The only thing you worried about in college was the freshman 15 and who was gonna call the taxi to get to the club. <laughs> Exactly. And like, by the way, I, if you didn't gain 15 pounds, like I, I saw my sister after, you know, in like the, like the middle of semester of, of freshman year. And I'm like, Barbara, she's like, I know I have an Oreo addiction. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> you know like, what it was like when you went home yes. and your mother looked at you in that yes. like, oh, yes. <laughs> Okay, like it was like going home for Christmas and seeing their face because yes. like you didn't realize that Michelob yes. Ultralight was better for you than the Budweiser you were drinking at the KA house. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget like walking in and people being like, and the problem is you're still, we were still squeezing into those low riding jeans that were so unattractive anyway, because we thought like, I don't, I surely this fits. Like we didn't know we didn't have the awareness to realize that we'd gain two sizes, you know? Now, <laughs> now, like with the pandemic, I don't know about you. You seem like you're still in really good shape. From the top up, I'm like my mother. Zoom. I carry it at the bottom. <laughs> well, the Zoom, I thought, I kind of thought like, wow, I'm doing great. And then I went back to work. And that camera at 30 Rock don't lie. You know, like this, everybody looks good. Everybody looks good. And if you're having a bad day, people understand it. If you're having a bad day at 30 Rock and then another bad day, we have to have a conversation. Yes. <laughs> you, I'm happy you brought that up because you talk about body image mm -hmm. and getting over those issues. When did you realize and what was the catalyst mm -hmm. for you when you realized that you had body image issues? Yeah. I mean, issue, it's right. But it's something that you just, as a woman or for me, that like I still see myself sometimes as that chubby little 13 year old kid, you know, who yeah. didn't feel good enough for whatever reason. And it's so interesting because my mom never, like I've talked to other girlfriends about this and they were like, well, my mom was always on a diet. So I felt like I had to be on a diet, but my mom was such a conscientious parent that she never talked. She, I never heard her say one negative thing about herself. Yeah. I never heard her talk about dieting or, you know, food, yeah. or anything like that, which, which, it's so easy to, I mean, we just did. We talked about the freshman 15. If our my kid, 
you know, was here and heard me say that. Like, yeah, my mom was very careful with her words and is. I mean, that's how she is as a woman. She's really restrained. So I'm not sure what it came from, but I just think as women, you know, it's hard to not think, you know, of yourself as your chubby sixth grade self who didn't feel like you were good enough for whatever reason. One hundred percent. And you know, for us, the gay, oh, wait, the gay oh, man curse. The gay man curse is a little bit different. You guys go back to sixth grade. We now compare and contrast ourselves with the other men that we see online and on Instagram yeah. because everyone has these perfect bodies. So the gay curse comes later. The girl curse, the woman curse is from early on. I think it is. Although I will say, and I, you know, I don't know what to think about it, but I have these two beautiful girls and, and a beautiful boy too. But when I think about them, cause I only, you know, have known what it's been like to be me. And you see, like you were saying, this Instagram level of perfection where, you know, everything, and believe me, I've filtered. Yeah. I mean, you know, we filter, things are filtered, whatever. I'm scared for when they, they're little, they're in, you know, second and, and kindergarten. But I just don't want them to think that, just like I didn't want to feel like I needed to be some perfect first daughter. Yes. And to think they need to be this level of perfection that isn't even real. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. But I think you're doing what a lot of parents are starting to do. And it's starting that conversation earlier on mm -hmm. because kids are dealing with things. Like when we were growing up, AIM was like the big deal. Yeah. Like yeah. if you had an AIM and a MySpace and a Hotmail account, you were the cool, like you were cool. You were fine. I mean, I know. I The fact that kids feel like pressure to be something or the fact that they want to be on our phones. I mean, all of that worries me a little bit, honestly. For you, I don't have this, but I know how it feels for some people like your grandfather is the dude. Mm -hmm. Your dad was the dude mm -hmm. and you are the one. You're on the fourth hour, it's Jenna and Hoda. And I wonder how, because, you know, you feel like you have to keep that name up and there's this pressure to, like, yeah. make sure that you represent your family well. I wonder if your daughters are going to feel the need to yeah. be great, which is not a bad thing. Like, I want my kids to want to be great. Yeah. Because yeah. we are great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's so interesting because our par my parents and my grandparents definitely didn't put pressure on us to like think the way they do. People always are surprised by that. But like we could have our own opinions and disagree yeah. and conversations. And in fact, somebody just asked me like, what do you think your grandparents would think about all of this that's going, you know, the fact that we're living in a global pandemic and everything. And I don't, I don't know, but I miss talking to them about it because in yeah. our house and at their house, at that table, like conversations were welcome and different opinions were heard. And that I think is so refreshing because I kind of feel yeah. like recently it's like, if you and I don't agree on something, then we're not even going to go there. You know, we can't I mean? even sit at the same dinner table yeah. at that point. And so that I miss like that. I wish they were here just so we could try to have a conversation about it. I mean, they would, they like to listen. They liked other opinions. And in fact, I, I write about my grandmother. I read this article after she died in the Atlantic and this scholar, this awesome guy went out to lunch with her, with John Meacham. And, mm. he, and they had this whole conversation around transgender rights. And she was 91 maybe, and in her nineties for sure. And they, they disagreed, they talked, they had these conversations. And afterwards, Tim, who is, who is the guy, felt bad. He thought, why did I 
try to have this conversation with a 91 year old woman? Why did I try to insert my opinion for her? She's 91, you know? Yeah. And then after their lunch, she, he, a couple weeks later, he received a letter that said, Tim, I learned so much from our lunch. You changed my mind. And I remember thinking, and I sat and I talked with Tim and I thought like, if a 91 year old yeah. is open to changing her opinions about something that she didn't know that much about, you know, she just didn't. And a man could change her mind about something at 91. Like Crazy. us as a society can be more open-minded, you know, can- 100%. And not, can open our hearts for different beliefs and thoughts and, and, um, and that really inspired me. 100%. I, I can't remember what we were talking about, but that just- <laughs> No, it's, it was just like, it's crazy because like, you know, I often tell people, I'm like, it doesn't matter if you have two people on your Instagram or two million people on your Instagram. If you put an idea out there that maybe catches a little bit of wind, that yeah. sparks a flame on somebody else's brain, then you have done your life duty. Yeah. You have passed on something that will make the world a greater place. And yeah, you might change one mind, but that's one mind that wasn't, you know, on this side before. Even opening up yourself for conversations, like... You know, saying if you don't get what I'm posting, if you don't understand why I feel this way, like, call me. Like, I just think there needs to be more dialogue. And that's why I miss them, because I, they want it. They so loved that. They so loved being in the game. Oh you know, and it, you can see it from the fact that Bill Clinton was one of my grandfather's best friends. I mean, he beat him as president of the United States. Like, if anybody else might have yeah. been crushed by that crushed they campaigned against each other they probably said i don't remember because i was little but i'm sure there were things said that weren't oh you know in the game and they definitely didn't agree on everything but they agreed on enough like on a common thread of humanity that they were friends like that that old school way of being or i don't even know if it's old school just the decency of respecting people with different opinions it's old school now yeah it it's old school cool. in 2020. It wasn't old school a few years back. Yeah. It's old school in 2020, which is like so yeah. beyond me that like, yeah. you know, like I am a black gay man mm -hmm. from South Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And the shit I had to run through mm -hmm. to be able to be myself and be able to express myself was not easy. But at the time, it was worth the while. I don't even know at this moment in time if that would have even even been possible with everything have going you done on. Right. Break your heart because you can imagine kids like you that feel like they can't even have this space to be themselves. I mean, that to me it kills me because I a lot of times and I don't I hate to be the Debbie Downer on my show. And a lot of times we applaud these celebrities who are fluid, who are gender non-conforming. And this actor comes out and says, you know, he's now into men, women, they, them, and all of this stuff, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But we live in California or New York and sometimes mm -hmm. London. It's easy there. What about the kid in Midland, Texas? Mm -hmm. What about the kid in Brobridge, Louisiana, home of the Crawford Festival? What about those kids that are in Arkansas and Oklahoma? Yeah. They don't have the luxury to put their boas out on display. They don't even have the luxury to speak. You give them that voice in some ways, because if they see you and they're like, oh my gosh, he went, you know, he graduated from whatever high school. Look at him now. He has this job. He has this platform. He has this, you know, you can. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. There is a part in your book that I think you should win a Nobel Peace Prize for. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about it because a lot of times people call it the honeymoon phase and you should still be in the honeymoon phase. Yeah. But you said the first year of marriage is hard. And I think a lot of times people take that for granted and mm -hmm. people don't realize that marriage is work. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your first year of marriage and tell me why you think it's hard. I mean, our first year of marriage was really hard. And I, and I, and I do feel like writing that down is good because it's truth. It's my, it was our truth. Maybe it's not for everybody, but it was for us because, well, one, you know, you're living to, we're learning. We had never lived together. We were learning to live together, which I think is hard. It's hard. Living with somebody in your space and adapting to their kind of quirks and what you used to be so charming when like they left, you know, yes. <laughs> it isn't yes. charming. Also, we, you know, went through a big transition. President Obama became elected. We lost Secret Service, which was which was something we always kind of hoped. I mean, we loved the Secret Service. Yeah. But like, I got, I went on a honeymoon with Secret Service men on it. Like, that's not sexy. That's <laughs> that's not very, sexy at all. Very peculiar. Um, and and we did love them. So it's nothing against them. But like, we were looking forward to this moment, and then all of a sudden, it happens, and you're like, well, like. Like, are we saying, like, what's going on? You know, so there this is was, real. I mean, there was some some stuff that were like, all of a sudden, Henry was like my protector, you know, and, and we lived in Baltimore. <laughs> they printed our address in the newspaper and people like would come and knock on our door in the middle of the night. And Henry was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can handle this. Like, That's a lot. It's hot. Yeah. But I also think and you know what? We said it to each other last night because this year has been so hard for the whole country. And there's been legit, my, Henry just lost his dad. And yeah. so, yeah, which is heartbreaking. You know, we buried him with five people there, which is not the way it should be, you know, but that's so many people have experienced the same thing. But I said to Henry, like, if we can make it through this year, I feel like we can make it through anything. anything. And I feel like that's how it is on the first year of marriage. If you really invest and you, or whatever year your hard year is, just for us, it was hard, I think. And other friends of mine have agreed. So I feel like that made me feel like it better. And I have to say, when anybody speaks their truth, like you were saying at the beginning, that where it isn't sugar-coated, it makes you feel better because you're like, oh my gosh, why did nobody tell me that, you know, breastfeeding was so hard? Why didn't anybody tell me that? Or whatever. 100%. Whatever it is, why didn't anybody say like, by the way, this is gonna be tricky for you. So I'll just tell you if you're newly married, it can be kind of tricky. Yeah. I tell people all the time, like I have friends who have kids and I was a nanny for so many years in college and when I got here to LA and I say sometimes like, it's okay. If you don't like your kids today, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. A lot of people don't like their kids every single day. As long as you love your kids, yes. it's 
Tell me, like, it's cool. I have a Chardonnay in my trunk of a car. We can put it on ice right now and we can talk about it. But everyone tries to hide, you know, the lows from people. Mm -hmm. and, I, and it's interesting. And I tell my friends this all the time. I'm like, watch yourself. Watch when you finally reveal what you've been going through for the last two years, whether it be parent trouble, marriage trouble, financial trouble. The closest friend you have is going to sit back and say, you know, I went through that too. And it's like, you guys could have went through that together or you could have learned what she had went through. You I just know. have to share and open up. Yeah, I feel lucky in some ways because I am kind of an open book. So I don't ever feel like, oh my gosh, why didn't I talk about this? Like I have spoken about a lot of things like postpartum. I mean, my mom, before I was had Mila, my oldest, she was like, I just want to tell you, like you may feel really sad. You may have terrible anxiety. And if you do, like, talk to me. I, I felt it too. You know, she, she didn't have postpartum, but she felt anxious. The and, baby blues. Yeah, the baby blues. But I mean, you know, it's a spectrum and people can feel really, really bad and people can feel really, really joyous. And I was so somewhere, you know, she was somewhere in between. I was, I felt pretty good because I have to tell you, I had a mom who was like, I was expecting the worst, you know? She was yeah. like, you could feel bad. And it's just good to know that. And that if you do, you can call somebody, you know? It's yeah. all it's all important, I think, to have that support system and to know that if things aren't great, that's okay. 100%. And you know what else? I'm going back to your marriage, you know, and talking about the first year of marriage. I commend people who, and this is an old school way of thinking. Mm -hmm. It's the people who aren't afraid to work through the rough times because exactly. a lot of times divorce is so easy now. You can do it online now. And I commend people for going through the rough patch. And if you're going to have a year worth of rough patches, like if it's going to last 12 months, compared to 50 years, they you can do it. You I mean, can do I it. Think, and I also think there's something really, you know, beautiful about marriage because it it's like almost to me a thousand different relationships do you know what i mean like when i yeah. think back to when we first met and i remember thinking that it wasn't cold outside in washington dc i was like gosh it's like it's not that cold here because i was so crazy about him that i couldn't even feel how cold it was and you but want it to be cool you want it to be chill yeah, that you might lose a little of. But like, I kind of feel like what's beautiful about a long-term relationship is that you have these really high, you know, you have these highs, these lows, and all the in-betweens. And that it does feel like a million different relationships. And there's parts that are hard and not great. And there's parts that are really beautiful. And, I, you know, it, 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 it isn't easy. Marriage is not easy. And I think you know, now there's been so, we've seen a lot of pe marriages dissolve because we've also yes. seen people so much. I mean, we've never spent so much time together. And I just interviewed this love doctor and she was like this anthropologist. She's like, you're not supposed, we were hunters and gatherers. You weren't supposed yeah. to spend that much time with our no. spouse. You were supposed it's to crazy. leave and come back. So. Which I tell everyone now, I'm like, yeah. leave and come back. Like, look, yeah. Outside my house, I have a little refrigerator. It's got little babe rosés in it, some oh. beers. And I, a girlfriend of mine who lives down the road, um, she's famous as well. And she, <laughs> I, I will see her on my Nest camera while I'm at the gym or I could be at work. And she'll come sit on my patio and just sit here and chill out for like 
30 minutes, breathe. She's like reading a book. She has like literally does not want to see me, does not want to see anybody else, but she will just sneak in and come have like a beer or a wine and then go back to her home. And I think it's important for you to check out and have that time for yourself. Yeah, it's hard. It's, with kids, it's hard to do that because you feel women feel all this guilt. I don't know. Do you, and you know, you feel like, oh, I should be doing something. But I do think, I think you're right. And I think, you know, typically we did, we would do that. Like, you know, somebody would maybe go to work. Somebody would take the kids. Like there was breaks. And I think the last yeah. time been hard for people because there's nowhere to hide. Do you know what I mean? There's nowhere, there's nowhere to hide. Everybody is there all the time. And I think that can be tricky, but I think you're right. Like you have to have the wherewithal. You have to know yourself enough to think like, I need a break. Whether that means you go, you know, take a bath or go for a walk or, you know, just say to everybody like, I need five. Right? My girlfriend is like, I'm in the closet right now. I'm like, what kind of wine are you drinking? She's like, Pinot Grigio. Like, even if it's in the closet for five minutes, I try to explain to people, especially people who live in New York and who have only lived in New York and are now raising families in New York. I'm like, when I was growing up in South Louisiana, we would leave the house at 9 a.m. on our bikes. And never. And we would never come back. I know. Till dinner. Yeah. Till dinner. I if know. the street light came on and I was not home. I was getting ass whipping, but I got the first one and then I learned. Yeah. To do it again. But you no, had no. basically from nine to six or nine to seven to have space. And that gave your parents the space too. You know what I mean? When the party came to my house, because every now and then it was like a rotating door. Like we were eating dinner at this person's house or we're eating dinner at that house. And when it came to my house, my mother was like, all right, don't get used to this because I don't want to do this every time. <laughs> But it's like, it's so different because I feel like society has changed so much, but also there's restrictions living in the city that you can't just let your kid go on a scooter no. for three hours by themselves. No, I mean, you definitely can't. But I will say there's something about this time, and I don't know if you've experienced it, but it has been a throwback because like, you know, before we might not have been home, We, my husband yeah. definitely wouldn't have been home from work and tell the kids were really in bed. Our kids are young. They get in bed at like 7.30, you know, or 8. So we didn't sit down for family dinners the way that when I was raised, we did. We would sit down, not every night, but a lot of them. And I do think there's a kind of throwback to a simpler time, you know, where kids probably are, they're not scheduled in classes because there aren't any classes right now, you know? Yeah. That was kind of free and wild. And my kids were like, mom, I'm bored. And Hoda and I talked a lot about the fact that when kids are bored, they write music, they write songs, they write, you know, plays, they read. You get creative. They, draw, they be create, you know, they give themselves space to be whatever it is they're going to be. So, I mean, I think that that has been for our kids has been really great. It's a blessing. It really is a blessing. Now, do you bring your kids back to the country and you'd say like, all right, time to unplug. We're in yeah. Texas for the next month. Yeah. And you will well, do. We didn't do a month. We didn't do a month. But when we've gone for like, you know, Christmases or whatever with my parents, we did go to Texas. We haven't gone during the pandemic, um, but when we have gone, they just can't. They are like, wow, like they just can't believe how different it is. Like that, the when Mila was probably two, she had never seen the moon before because we live in the city. Wow. 
volumes are so high. And so she was like, moon. She'd known it from books, like good night moon. She didn't think it was real. That is nuts. Yeah, I know. And I you know. grew up looking at that thing every night. Oh, I know. I think people have found comfort in things like the moon and, you know, nature. I mean, I don't, don't have you felt like when you've gone for hikes or been outdoors, you just feel so much better? Honey, I've lived here for 11 years. I've lived in the same area, West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. You can't see downtown with all the smog and with everything going on, the pollution in Los Angeles. And during the pandemic, when people weren't going anywhere, the most beautiful thing was to get my coffee, was to walk to a hill yeah. and look downtown and be able to see like this be these beautiful buildings and these structures. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've just never in my life had the chance to see this or reconnecting with nature and you know going out and discovering california because you can't get on a plane and yeah this has been but, I, mean, I also think like that you know it's like that was always there you know those beautiful buildings or we just never we didn't have enough space we didn't have enough time like everything was so busy that sometimes it was hard to take the time and like see things um I don't know what I was thinking whenever I thought that I could compete for the four chair on, you know, today's show. Yes. Got it. I was super pumped for you. What was that feeling like to walk into, you know, one of the biggest wine glasses in America? <laughs> like, I know how people say, like, she had a big, big shoes to fill, but technically had a big wine glass to fill. Yes. I mean, it felt really great because once you know her, she's so gracious. Amazing. And it was to be part of a really awesome transition where it felt function, you know, like, oh, this is what's supposed to happen. Like organically. I mean, I had filled yeah. in for her for several years. And so it felt really good. It, it really did. And it's been a wild year um, for our show, for our, for our personally for us and then for our country too, just because, you know, Hoda had a baby, then I had a baby. It's crazy. Uh, then a pandemic hit, you know, it was like, even though we haven't been physically next to each other the way that we would have wanted to be, we got a live studio audience and then a global pandemic hit, you know, it doesn't matter because it feels the way it should. Like it's right. Our show feels right. It feels right to be next to her. Um, you guys are amazing together. And it was honestly, when it happened, you're right. The transition was so smooth. Normally people fuss about it. Normally people say, I can't believe it, sir. It was like, everybody was like, yeah, we just, we knew this was it. It felt, so that felt good. I mean, my gosh, it really did. And to be support, she was so gracious, you know, to in, in that transition and, and, and supporting me and, and then Hoda is like, we were already good friends. I mean, we don't know everything about each other, which is also fun. It's like, yeah. I'm surprised by her all the time, but it feels like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. And that feels good. You know, it's crazy because obviously I do a morning show and I know how much time it takes, especially in the mornings, you know, getting there early, getting prepared. And, you know, that's a lot of dedication. As someone who is thinking about adopting children, mm -hmm. You know, I always think about, am I going to feel guilty that I'm like not there to the do morning. the school yeah. drop offs or yeah. the good mornings or the ponytails? Like, yeah. how do you justify that in your heart? Because it seems, yeah, I don't know, I'm a man and I'm worried about that. Yeah. As a woman, was that part of your, especially having daughters, was that part of your thinking going into this road? 
I mean, it's so, so kind of, but I also, before this chapter, I traveled like crazy. So I would be gone, you know, sometimes a week and or longer. I mean, the Olympics and things like that. So I kind of figured this job will keep me in New York City. So I yeah. can get kids to bed every single night, you know, and that to me gives me actually much more stability than I had before. And then the other thing that I really liked is that when we were once we were driving somewhere and, and Mila, my oldest, said to Henry, well, what did Mimi, his mom, do when you were growing up? What was her job? And she and Mimi, who is an incredible mother, you know, and this bean, she did a thousand things. But and she really did do a thousand things and probably did have, you know, different jobs at different times. But for a lot of her life, she was a stay at home mom. And, and Henry said that. And Mila goes, oh. And I kind of thought she was going to be like, well, why don't you stay home, mom? Yeah. My, our mom is awesome. She has a job and she's our mom. Like, it was like this reaffirmation that, like, you can do both and not great. I mean, I feel like I fail a hundred times a day, you know? Yeah. But again, I've learned that, like, perfection isn't a thing. And that if you say to your kids, I'm sorry, I'm not here this morning, or I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to take you to that. They give themselves like later when they want to go be with friends or, you know, when they're, when they're teenagers or, or forming their own opinion about who they want to be in the world, they can realize that you don't have to do everything perfectly. And you don't have to be in, you know, do both jobs perfectly at the same time yeah. and work like that. So I feel lucky that I have a job I love. Because I, when I'm there, I, of course, think about them. And Hoda and I talk about our kids in the commercial breaks constantly. You know, I mean, I think if you really love your job and, and you have kids, you adopt kids, you have this family and you really love them, you can make it work. It's not going to look seamless. 100. There's going to be moments where you feel bad, obviously. Yeah. But, it is but I have to find that partner. It's about finding the partner who's yeah. cool and who supports. I know. I'm like, who am I going to set you up with? I'm going to text some of our mutual friends for some thoughts. I'm telling you, when I come to New York, we have got to do it. I'm going to think about this. You're right, though. You've got to find somebody that's willing to, because that's another thing. Like, Henry gives me, a, we're equal partners. It's not like, you know, the 1950s where the woman does everything. Like, you have an equal partnership. Yeah. And yes, I am not there in the mornings. He takes the lead, but I'm there in the evenings. And I take, you know, we we give, we ebb and flow. And if one of us needs some space, we can say to each other, like, I'm going to need you to step up here. Um, did you do the audiobook for this, by the way? I did the audiobook, which was hard. Because <laughs> it was so hard. I felt so... I felt embarrassed, frankly, because the sound engineer just had to listen to me. Like, he's like, do you need Kleenexes? He's like, do you want to take a minute? Because I was just like, oh, dude. You know, I was like reliving three of my grandparents' deaths in a sound wow. by myself in the midst of a pandemic. It was, I, afterwards, I mean, my eyes were swollen. The next day I was like, oh, that was rough. Your grandparents remind me of the couple from The Notebook. Oh, yeah. And they went out like the couple from The Notebook, which yeah. I love that, like, oh. they weren't apart for that long. No. It was like, it just yeah. is a beautiful, they have a beautiful story. They really did. I mean, their love, and I witnessed it. Like, they really loved each other, but they also really liked each other. Like, they they thought that they, they, both of them were hilarious. My grandpa would, you know, was more gentle. So when my grandma would be like, girls, whatever, he would, you know, they just had a really good 
way and they really really liked each other it was it was fun to be part of to get to witness for sure i'm happy you have that relationship mm, me too i am i'm just happy good. to miss it I'm and i feel so lucky because i had them till i was in my mid-30s you know not everybody gets there <sighs> that long so i feel and your kids got to meet them yeah my kids not how not the baby but he'll see pictures you want to say hi hello Okay, well, come Hello. here. Hello. We finally made it to our apartment. We finally Hello. made it to our apartment. This is Poppy. Say hi. Poppy. Mila. Mila. Okay, so when I come in town in a month, yes. I will come over and we can make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. What do you think? Yummy. Yummy. Can we order pizza? You can know we order what? Pizza? what did Kathy Lee teach you? Peanut butter on a spoon. Kathy Lee Kathy. taught them how to eat peanut butter on a spoon. Whoa. The Things are falling. Things are falling. I love you. I love you, love you. You guys, don't forget to check out Everything Beautiful in Its Time, Seasons of Love and Loss by Jenner Bush Hager. It is out now. You do not want to miss these stories. And like me, if you like an audible, it seems like this one's going to be a cry fest. So get it now. The book cover is phenomenal. This woman is phenomenal. And I can't wait to finish reading this. Okay, I'm here now. I'm ready. Oh, are you here? Oh, are you finally here? I'm finally ready. <laughs> Jesus, Vanessa, we're all going through a pandemic. If you can't get your earphones together, what else can't you get together, okay? I mean, I should really get into 2020 and get some AirPods. You know, I should like... <laughs> Don't act like you have three kids and you're writing a book like Jenna Bush Hager. Oh my God, I love the little kids' appearance at the end. You know, of course, that was like my favorite part. <laughs> By the way, my uterus like kicked me at that moment. It was like, you see... We could be doing this. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> it's interesting because like when you think of a first daughter, you think of somebody who had to be perfect all their lives, who mm -hmm. you know, wanted to put up that veil of, of almost like everything went right. And it's just so nice to hear from somebody just how life can throw you wrenches and how you really can grow from them. And it's not a shame to like hide it. Like no one, she's not afraid to admit that she's human. I have a, you know, Betty Bush myself. I just, my sister is just amazing. No, I agree. Actually, she's so refreshing. She's so down to earth. She's exactly what you're saying. You don't expect that from someone who was a first daughter. You almost expect like an air of like stuffiness or, or, Per, they need to stay protected, like you said. But what I thought was really cool is she's like, our parents allowed us to make these mistakes. Our parents allowed us to be who we are, which is incredible, especially in that position in the White House. I mean, that's not the norm. No. Even if her parents hadn't made it to the White House, the Bush legacy, the right. family, a lot of times in Southern cultures, you are a direct reflection of your family. Of course. So if you mess up or you make a mistake, the first thing your parents are saying is, well, how is it going to look on us? Mm -hmm. That's how Southerners work. Just so mm -hmm. you know, no matter if you're black, white, broke, rich, you know, in politics, wherever your mom worked, like, you know, my mom, I always felt that I was a direct reflection of my parents. And sometimes instead of saying, hey, you can just figure this out. You're making mistakes. That's what you're supposed to do. My parents went the opposite way. Mm -hmm. You know, right. it was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Blah, blah, blah. And it, it, it just is very nice to know 
that her mom passed that down to her and she is going to pass that down to her daughter. And just to know that the next generation coming up is going to be able to make mistakes and go through those hardships and not be ashamed of it. Look, I'll be a Hager tomorrow, girl. Move me in. Me and Hal can share a crib. <laughs> yeah, she was incredible. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. It was very fascinating. I don't think you get to hear that side that often. Even when she was like, we had Secret Service with us on our honeymoon. Things you don't think of in the, your normal everyday life of what somebody would have to go through in that position. And, and it's funny, you know, thinking about someone who was just starting their lives in college. And after I thought about it, Chelsea Clinton did go through, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade in, in the White House. But was it harder to become a woman and be a college student and be free and learn those life lessons under the public eye as opposed to being in the White House as a high schooler or a junior high, I don't know right. what's worse. I don't know what's harder. That's because true. if I had a camera on my ass every day I went out in college, I'd be on Girls Gone Wild. Right. That's what I, I think you're more likely to make mistakes at college that can reflect and, and be in the press and stuff like that and, and when you're in the White House. But I And like you said, I think you guys got lucky she probably that there was no social media. You guys... Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. And we'll see you here next week. And don't forget to follow me at The Lady Sitter and watch Daily Pop every day at 1230. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.